believer in Christ, have you been praying for divine intervention or God's help in real, overwhelming needs in your life? Have you asked Jesus to immerse and envelop you in the power of the Holy Spirit? The same power that he operated in to heal the sick, cleanse lepers, cast out demons, raise the dead, and perform mighty miracles is available to you today through the same baptism in the Spirit that he himself received. The next few minutes can revolutionize your life as you learn how to be clothed with power from on high. Welcome to the Real Truth Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Lambert. In an hour when deception and apostasy is rampant on earth, the need for proclaiming the real truth has never been more desperate. Jesus prophesied, An hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Proclaiming the real truth of the written and rhema prophetic word of God that he is revealing in this hour is our goal. Affecting real change in the hearts and minds of believers in Christ in order to fulfill the purposes and plans of God is our purpose. Friends, Throughout this teaching series, I am leading you on a journey to discover the real truth about a matter second in importance to none except salvation itself, which is the matter of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Each segment of teaching is one vital link in that journey, which leads ultimately to the real truth concerning the role of the third member of the Godhead in your life, whom Jesus himself called the Helper, that is, the blessed Holy Spirit, the living waters of God. God says in Hosea 4.6 that his people, that means born-again believers, Christians, are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Ignorance or lack of knowledge concerning spiritual matters not only is not bliss, but it is an open gateway to devastation and destruction. Jesus taught that the knowledge of the truth sets free, which inherently means that what you do not know of the truth will keep you in bondage. The unfortunate truth is that many born-again believers are being held captive by lack of knowledge of the truth and deceptions concerning this critical matter of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, some of the main points I am going to be establishing 
and providing scriptural support for during the course of this teaching are that, one, the baptism in the Holy Spirit is a separate and distinct or adjunctive experience to the infusion of the Holy Spirit that takes place at the moment of salvation. Two, regeneration by the Spirit, that is, salvation, the new birth, and the baptism in the Holy Spirit are two distinct and separate workings of the same Holy Spirit. In salvation, the Holy Spirit comes to live within the believer, imparting the fruit of the Spirit, that is, the regenerative work of the Holy Spirit. In the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the believer is enveloped by or immersed in the Holy Spirit, that is to say, the Holy Spirit comes upon the believer, in contrast to in the believer, and imparts the gifts of the Holy Spirit. These facts are clearly supported by Scripture and are exemplified by the experience of Jesus himself, who is our supreme model. Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Jesus explicitly stated that the baptism in the Holy Spirit will be given to any believer who simply asks him for it. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is a gift of grace received by faith and often imparted through the laying on of hands by other anointed believers. The Cause of the Great Persecution of the Early Church and what was this great persecution of believers that occurred after the death of Stephen all about? It was all about that people were following the name, the cause, the purposes of the Lord Jesus Christ. And because these people had received of that great outpouring, that original outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. What many commentators and expositors concerning this matter of the great persecution of the early church fail to recognize is the fact that all this demonically inspired persecution was all because of what happened on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Ghost was poured out upon those 120 believers, and then 120 multiplied themselves, so to speak into three thousand more, and there were three thousand one hundred and twenty on one day who had received of this power of the Holy Spirit when they received the promise of the Father. They too received the power of God in their lives, and began to speak in other tongues, and were filled with ecstatic, overflowing, exceedingly great joy, joy unspeakable and full of glory. And religion, religious spirits, religious people, 
people filled with religious spirits. Hate it when people express great joy that happens when you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, a joy that is unexplainable, a joy that is uncontainable, a joy that is unstoppable, a joy that is indomitable. The one thing that religious spirits seek to do is to make people dour, sour, unhappy, and sad as they wallow in the muck and the mire of death's sorrow, mourning and unbelief, languishing year after year in the inertia of dead ritualism and religiosity. He whom the Son sets free is free indeed. John eight thirty six, and religious spirits absolutely despise, abhor, and hate people who have been set free from the bondages of Satan and his kingdom. Religious spirits make people hate and loathe people who are walking in the liberty that only Jesus can provide. It is a demonic jealousy that takes hold of them because they are not experiencing the same elation, joy unspeakable and full of glory, 1 Peter 1.8, and that peace which passeth all understanding, Philippians 4.7. Religion only brings you back under bondage. And this great apostle, Paul, later said to the Galatian church, quote, It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm, i.e., in that liberty or in that freedom, and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery, End quote. Galatians 5.1. He was telling them, don't let anybody or anything bring you back under the bondage that you were under before you came to Christ. My friends, Satan hates the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And that's why all throughout history, whenever there's been a great move of God and there's been a renewal of the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and people were being filled with the Holy Spirit and received the ecstatic joy that accompanies the great gift of tongues and all of the other manifestations of the Spirit that come with the baptism in the Holy Spirit, nine of them in all, Satan has mounted a vicious, no-holds-barred counterattack against those believers who were the recipients of the outpouring of the Spirit perpetrated through diabolical religious agents possessed by demons of rage and murder. What else would make those who composed the body of the Sanhedrin Council want to murder a man, Stephen? Was he a child molester? No. Was he a rapist? No. Was he a thief? No. Was he a murderer? No. He merely was performing great works and signs and wonders among the people as a result of having been baptized in the Holy Ghost. What else would make religious people so enraged but evil spirits? 
It is evil spirits that caused the Apostle Paul, then Saul, to be in hearty agreement with putting to death this great martyr, Stephen. It was evil spirits that made Saul think to himself that he, quote, had to do many things hostile to the name of Jesus, end quote. This was not natural. This was not normal. But rather, this was supernatural. This was paranormal. What else but religious spirits would make this man himself say, quote, As I punished them often in the synagogues, I tried to force them to blaspheme. And being furiously enraged at them, I kept pursuing them even to foreign cities. End quote. What in this world would make him be furiously enraged at these Christians? Had they wronged him in any way? No. Had they stolen anything from him or mistreated him? No but rather it was the murderous religious spirit that was at work in him at that time that made him furiously enraged at those who were belonging to the way. Enjoying this podcast? Please take a minute to pray if the Lord would have you to help us with the substantial financial burden of this program. We receive no grants or funding from any organization or government agency and no other means of support than the gracious and generous giving of our listeners. SLM Inc. bears the entire burden. In about 30 seconds, you can donate at paypal.me forward slash SLM Inc. Again, that's paypal.me forward slash SLMINC to give any amount. Thank you for your gifts, generosity, and graciousness. Supernatural Demonic Persecution, Not Mere Flesh and Blood Thus, it was not just flesh and blood that was bringing forth this great persecution against the church, but rather it was inspired by Satan himself. For we war not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the powers, and the evil forces of wickedness at work in the heavenly places, Ephesians six twelve. And Satan was enraged that the Holy Spirit had now come upon the church and empowered them with great power, dunamis power, the power of God himself, to plunder his kingdom and counter his power. And truly, the works that Jesus did, did these witnesses also begin to do and even greater works than Jesus did, did they do. The Apostle John tells us that it was for this cause, for this reason, for this purpose, that Jesus was manifest, 
that he might destroy the works of the devil. 1 John 3, 8. And this is precisely what was happening through these people that belonged to the early church. They were destroying the works of the devil by bringing forth healing, deliverance, and great works of power as a result of having been baptized in the Holy Spirit. See also Acts 2, 43-47. It was the religious evil spirits that caused this great persecution to rise up against the church. And it was these evil religious spirits that caused Saul to breathe out threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. And it was these same evil spirits, these religious evil spirits, that caused the Apostle Paul, in his own words, to think that he, quote, had to do many things hostile to the name of Jesus of Nazareth, end quote, Acts 26, 9. It is the same evil, sadistic, and self-righteous spirits that caused him to, quote, lock up many of the saints in prison, verse 10, having received authority from the chief priest, but also when they were being put to death, he said, he cast his vote against them. And, he goes on to say, as I punished them often in all the synagogues, I tried to force them to blaspheme, and being furiously enraged at them, I kept pursuing them even to foreign cities. Though it is shocking and offensive to the religious mind to hear such a thing, this man named Saul, a self-described, quote, Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, end quote, Philippians 3, 5, without a shadow of a doubt, was himself demonized with a religious spirit of murder that caused him, in his own words, to be furiously enraged at these believers. And in verse 2 of chapter 9 of the book of Acts, he says that when he found any belonging to the way, both men and women, he would bring them bound to Jerusalem. In the same manner, these legalistic religious people today that call themselves Christians and claim to be operating in true Christianity, try to bring people under their religious bondage and try to bring them bound also under their churches and Sanhedrin councils and keep them bound by their religious chains. The moment the neophyte believers get free in Jesus, these religionists, modern-day Pharisees, Sadducees, wouldn't-sees, and couldn't-sees, try to bind them all up in their religiosity. This man Saul, by his own admission, was one of these. In fact, he was proud of his bona fides of being a Hebrew of Hebrews and Pharisee of Pharisees. And yet the story goes on to show that there is even hope for the most murderous of Pharisees. For this is the story of a man named Saul, a self-appointed Jewish bounty hunter, 
who got knocked off his high horse on the way to arrest more of those blasphemous Christians and who eventually became the great bondservant of Jesus, the eminent Apostle Paul. This is Stephen Lambert. A complete catalog of my books and audiobooks is available at the Real Truth Publications website at realtruthpublications.com. That's realtruthpublications.com. Continuing with the story in verse 3 of chapter 9 of Acts, it says, As he was traveling... There are those listening to the sound of my voice and reading these words, and as they are continuing to travel on their own, idolatrous, made-up, humanly contrived road of religiosity, they are about to have a divine encounter with the truth, Jesus, also. It happened that he was approaching Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, and that light, we know, was the light of the world, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And he fell to the ground. Friend, you're too late to talk to me about people feigning it and faking it when they are in the presence of Jesus and they are knocked off their high horse or they fall to the ground. When you are in the presence of Jesus, you will be knocked to the ground, so to speak, one way or another. How could anyone not be? Yes, the great apostle Paul was slain in the Spirit. So all you preachers out there and others who mock this matter of being slain in the Spirit, you are mocking the Apostle Paul and his experience with the Lord Jesus Christ, as well as the experience of other disciples in the Bible, including the Apostles of the Lamb. They were all slain in the Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And it says the Apostle Peter taking his stand. The reason he was taking his stand was because he wasn't standing previously, probably because he had been slain in the power of the Holy Spirit. And there are so many other examples in the Bible of people being slain in the Spirit and falling down in the presence of Almighty God though time and space precludes us from going into that topic here in this context. But not only was the Apostle Paul slain in the Spirit when this experience happened on the road to Damascus, but he says in his own account of this before King Agrippa and the governor Festus in Acts 26.14, and we had all fallen to the ground. So it was not just Saul who was slain in the Spirit, but it was all of the men who were accompanying him. They too were slain in the Spirit, knocked off their horses, and knocked to the ground in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, more accurately, merely by the sound 
of His voice. I don't know what makes anybody think that if they are truly in the presence of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Sovereign God and Creator of the universe, the God of all glory, they would not be slain in the Spirit, in His presence. I do not understand at all why this is a phenomenon that so many people have so much trouble with, except that it is religious spirits that is behind that rationale that being in his presence is no different than being in the presence of your spouse or neighbor or a street person. Who is it that you think this Jesus is that you say you serve? Do you think he's just a man? Do you think he's just like you or just like me? This Jesus is the power of God. He is the word of God, the creator of the universe. He is the authority of God. He is God Almighty. So, of course, when people are in his presence, they are going to be slain in the spirit like those soldiers in the Garden of Gethsemane who came to get him. And Jesus went out to them and asked, Whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And when he said, I am he, they all fell back and were slain in the Spirit, because he is the great I am. And when he said, I am He, the very power of God, came forth through His voice and knocked those mere mortal and carnal humans back and down on their backside, demonstrating who He really is. John 18, 1-9 And picking back up in Acts 9, 4, it says, quote, And He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? I think it is very important that you notice this word, Lord. He called him Lord. Though he did not know his name, he knew without any doubt that the voice speaking to him was the Lord. And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now, you need to understand that when you are persecuting the saints of God, when you are mocking and ridiculing those who belong to the way, those who have been saved by the power of God, have been adopted into the very family of God because they have received of the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit with manifest evidence testifying of that fact, you are not just persecuting them. You are persecuting Jesus himself. Jesus so identifies with his brethren, God's children, that he takes persecution against them personal. Friends, I hope you understand how vital 
This teaching is you are hearing the real truth regarding the baptism in the Holy Spirit. This issue is the most critical issue to the Christian life after salvation itself. Now, if you want that baptism in the Holy Spirit I've been talking about and would like to know more about it and how to receive it, I've written a book and even recorded an audio book of the book that will help you with that. The book title is Dunamis, Power from on High. Dunamis, Power from on High. You can order the book and audio book online on our website at realtruthradio.com and where you can also listen to the recordings of all our podcasts. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Real Truth. I'm Stephen Lambert. Please subscribe to the podcast, share with your friends, and visit realtruthradio.com to join our mailing list. sure to tune in to the next edition of The Real Truth. Until then, this is Stephen Lambert reminding you that with God all things are possible and all things work together for good to them who love God and are called according to His purpose.